Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, what's up? Joe McCall. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something I don't know if we've ever talked about before on the show. We're going to be talking about flipping or buying or selling vacant land notes. <clears throat> There's a lot of people out there that are just doing vacant land for the cash flow, for the notes. And now, if you don't know what a note is, we'll ask our guest Rick Allen about that in a minute. But a note, in simple terms, is basically some kind of paper that says there's a promise to pay back this certain amount uh, with payments over time. And so it's a lot of people that uh, buy and sell vacant land will sell vacant land on owner financing. And when you do that, you create a note and that note you can sell. So you could, this is a, the really neat thing about this, if you understand this. You can wholesale a deal and make five to 10 grand on it, but for every, when you're advertising that vacant lot, for every one call you get from a cash buyer, you might get three or four or five calls from an owner financing buyer saying, hey, will you sell that deal with owner financing? And so if you understand what to do, you can then sell it with owner financing and then turn around and sell that note to somebody like Rick and his company and make maybe possibly even more money. So there is a real high demand. Number one, there's a high demand for buying properties on owner financing and creating notes. And number two, there's a big demand from private note investors that want to buy that paper, that note. And so we're going to be talking about that on this episode. Real quick though, first, if you want some more information about how to flip vacant land, I got a cool little tool here. It's called vacantlanddocs.com. And on there, I'm going to give you the letter that I send to sellers to in my marketing that I send out to sellers. And I'm going to give you the contracts that I send out for getting the deal under contract with the seller. So if you just go to vacantlanddocs.com, vacantlanddocs, D-O-C-S.com, it's completely free, it's yours. I'll send it to you and uh, you can go check it out. Let's bring Rick Allen on. Rick, how are you? Good, Joe, how are you? Excellent, thanks for being here. Um, I, want, I have a bunch of questions to ask you, but I wanted to save them for this podcast as we're going live here. You're with a company called Paperstack, right? That's correct. I'm uh, the CEO and co-founder of Paperstack. Cool. Uh, talk about what Paperstack does, and then I w I'd like to ask you some questions about what did you do? How'd you get into real estate? Why did you start this company? Sure. So Paperstack is it's an online trading platform for buying and selling debt, uh, mortgage debt, land note debt, contract for deeds, deed of trust. We've had some commercial debt grow through there. Um, we've been approached by people wanting to sell credit card debt, but it, mm. at its core, it's a, it's a marketplace um, that just allows people to list, you know, list debt for sale and buyers can come on there and purchase the debt. But the real secret to it is the, the automation and the sort of the workflow, which I'm going to talk a little bit about. And that's, I know you're a big fan of workflow. It walks you through the process from the time you make an offer to all your communication happens right on the platform. You can send messages, you can respond via email, and everything lands on your timeline. Everything is traded in a timeline. You can even make a phone call on the platform. It'll record it, transcribe it, and throw it on your, on your timeline. So that way, there's a complete digital audit trail. We handle the closing docs, you know, the transfer of the note, the if there's a mortgage, you know, the assignment of mortgage, and then kick off a loan servicing transfer. So it's really, it's an all-encompassing platform that allows people to trade seamlessly. We've got some efficiency tools built in there and some security measures like escrow and collateral audit all built into the platform. Nice. And how long ago did you create this? Um, we, we've been working on it since 2015. And so we've, we've launched a few different iterations of it. Um, over 2017 was, um, iteration one, iteration two came out in 2019. We've just launched our third iteration and a sister company called noteclosings.com. So if you've got, if you've got, you know, you're the seller of a, a note and you've already got the buyer, you don't necessarily need our, our, um, our marketplace to try to find your buyer. So you can just use the closing process of the, yeah. So we've had a lot of people who are trading, you know, high volume, maybe they are, you know, trading 30 or 40 notes a month. 
saying, look, I love your closing process. I love escrow. I love audit. I've already got my buyer. I don't need necessarily your marketplace. Do you have, can I just use the closing process? So we made it that sister company, noteclosings.com now, and we're about to launch. In the next six months, we're launching an enterprise version for institutions. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Talk about your story. How did you get involved into in real estate and in this business of notes specifically? Fair enough. So I started, uh, I graduated from college with a degree in business administration, I think it was. Didn't know what I was going to do. I still had my bartending job from while I was in college, just kind of figuring out where life was going to take me. And I had some people walk through the door on a lunch shift and they had, you know, Rolexes on, business suits, and it was one o'clock and they, you know, just started hanging out and they were done for the day and they were, they were time, they, people sold timeshare. And so I started talking to them. I was like, you know, how do you sell this? What do you do? looks like they're doing pretty well. So they said, you need to get your real estate license. So I got my real estate license and I sold, you know, timeshare for about eight months, which they're the Marines of sales. If, if you ever know anything, everybody walks to the door, not wanting to buy what you have. So you have to be good at selling or you learn real quick. It's a great place to hire salesmen. Oh, it for sure is. It's, it's the training you get in sales is second to none I've seen, but I didn't like it and ended up my dad's secretary, his kid worked for her kid worked for a, um, a wholesaler, a nationwide wholesale firm called RealNet. And I went and that she said that they had an opening in Orlando where we, where I was. And so I went, this this was 2005. So in 2005, yep, I uh, went and started with RealNet, cut my teeth on um, sourcing deals. And they also had an in, in-house hard money lender. So that's where I got my first taste of the finance side of the things, the paper. And I worked for that company until 2008. At the time, um, you know, the market <laughs> started to crash. They couldn't sell their paper. And in uh, January of 2008, not really knowing what was about to happen, Myself and three other guys quit the company and went and started our own company called Investment Homes Direct. And we were fortunate that we, between 2008 and then the end of 2011, we flipped about 400 houses, wholesaling them, and you know had an office in Orlando, had an office in uh, St. Pete, and it was great. We were doing well. I kind of got burned out and wanted to uh, move on to something different, so I sold off the company um, and. I was going to have, basically, I was going to do my own private fix and flips, build the rental portfolio a little more, and then play golf, raise my kids. And it lasted two months. And a REO agent called me up and said, hey, I'd bought a lot of houses from this guy. He called me and said, hey, you know, I got an asset manager for a bank is asking me if you'll, if I know anybody that'll buy a note. And I said, I'll take a look at it. So it was a frame duplex in Winter Garden, Florida. They owed 90 grand. This is 2012 in March. And I told the, I told the guy, I say, tell him I'll give him $8,000. And I didn't expect to get it. He was yelling at me. They'll never take it. It's got to be 20 or 25. And they countered me at 8,400 bucks and ended up getting the deal. The last person to sell it on the MLS was the actual owner. So I had her phone number. So I was signing paperwork to buy it. And I called her up and said, Hey, I'm buying your loan. Do you want to sign it over? I'll write you a little check for your time. And she said, I got five foreclosures going on right now. I don't want another. You can have it. And so she signed the house over to me. I sold it for 38000 Well, How much was owed on the property? 90, like 93, 94. So you owned the note that's still, you owned, you bought the note for $8,400. Okay. But the original mortgage balance was 90 something thousand dollars. 94 grand was what that was the that was the balance on it at the time. I mean, we're talking 2012, so Yeah, yeah. It's the bottom of the bottom. And, you know, people people ask can you still buy stuff at that big of a discount? It's like, no, not certainly not there. I mean, that house today is Just so we understand the the process here though. You contacted the lady living in the house or who owned the house. Was it an investor? Yeah, she was an investor. She had four or five properties. And um, she was facing foreclosures on on her other property. She wanted to avoid one more. Okay. And um, so you said, "Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll settle for at a discount." I just told her I would. I said, "Look, do you want to sign it over at deed in lieu of foreclosure? I'll agree not to come after you for any deficiencies. No court will rip this chapter out of your life. Throw it in the garbage, and you can start fresh. And you and I are good." And she said, "Yeah." She goes, "I don't want another one." So then she wrote you a check for how much? No, she didn't write us a check for anything. We just 
She signed okay. the deed over to us. Okay, okay. That's where I was confused. No, she signed the deed over. I wrote her a check for a hundred bucks for her time. I was like, I'll write you some money for, you know, for just taking the time out of your day. I didn't know what she was doing. And she was like, you don't need to write me a check for anything. And I just was like, I feel like, you know, I knew what I could sell it for. Um, you know, I had people already that were offering to to fix it up for me and split the house with me. They'll pay for the repairs. And I was just like, no, we're going to list it. So we listed it at 28000 and it it got bid up cash to thirty eight to somebody. I see. And I was literally at the closing table. I got into it not knowing what I don't know. And I'm at the closing table and my title company, who I've closed literally four or 500 houses with, is like, you need, you know, they knew I owned it because I told them I owned it, but they're like, how, I need to see that you own this. And I was like, well, what do you need? They said, it's called an assignment of mortgage. I go, they didn't give me any paperwork. So I had to call up the, uh, it was a hedge fund, Condor Capital, who if you've been in the business, you've heard of them. I called Condor and I was like, hey, where's the collateral package? I need an assignment of mortgage. And they said, oh, it'll be out in a couple of weeks. I was like, I'm, I'm waiting to close. I need this now. So fortunately, they overnighted it to me and we finished and we sold. And my partner and I looked at each other and we were like, that was fantastic. Wow. Can we do that again? So we went and we asked around because we've been in the business since 2005 and this is 12. And I knew most of everybody in the real estate investment space in Orlando at the time. And nobody was doing notes. So we sort of said, hey, let's do notes. Let's do this. And so we, we jumped in full time. We did it about a year and a half. And then we went to a conference called the Five Star Conference. And we were going to go there, talk to Bank of America, talk to Chase and tell them, hey, we're buying notes. You know, give me your notes. And we um, ended up bumping into Eddie Speed from notes. And, we, you know, saw he had a breakout session loved what he had going on. It made sense to us because we had 12 or 15 notes that we owned at the time. And so we said, you know, we cornered him after his presentation, said, what can you tell us? How do we get involved? So he sent us through a three-day class in Fort Lauderdale, which was, you know, two hours from us and started there. And actually we met you at the next event of Eddie's. Oh yeah. That was in, I remember that. It was at the at like the airport Hilton, I think, or the airport Hyatt in Dallas. Yeah. And I remember we actually ended up winning. We ended up winning note of the year or the note presentation of the year for what are the deals. And we, we ended up getting your class. And that's where like I got turned on to workflow, podio, the four-hour work week, just all the stuff Joe McCall is about. And I was like, it was fantastic. Like you, you changed my life and our trajectory. Wow. I remember that it was so, I mean, this is probably, it was probably 10 years ago, right around now. It was, it was. 2003. Dang, that's, that was a fun event. I remember being there and I felt completely out of my element. I was like, I don't know anything about notes and I still kind of don't. I do kind of, but like, um, I've always looked at you note investors, like with a little bit of envy, like, you know, I, I got a degree in civil engineering <laughs> and there were the civil engineers and then there were the electrical engineers and the mechanical engineers, you know computer engineers. And I've always looked at you note investors like that. Like I'm just this average house vacant land guy and, and here's these note guys. Oh, no way, man. It was, you opened uh, my partner and I's eyes. It, I still work on Podio today. It's still- Awesome. It's still integrated into our systems and it's it's almost like it's we're so tangled up in it that we can't get rid of it and it just works. It's not sexy. It's not pretty. Right. Um, it's- but, you know, it can pretty much do anything you need it to do and you can build it. I actually, I think I still have, if I go look, you had it, a template, a real estate template that we still yeah. have. <laughs> I was Podio Joe. I had that domain. I had JoePodio.com yeah. and PodioJoe.com. I realized pretty quickly I didn't want to be in the software business, but, um, and I wasn't really, but I was real, I was trying to set up Podio for other people and it was a lot of work. So that's awesome, man. That's cool to hear. The um, that's really funny. So you start doing land on a, I mean, sorry, you start doing notes on a bigger scale. Um, we did. We started. We had some friends and family that just were like, they saw what we were doing. They said, here, you know, you can, you know, if you got, if I see what you're doing. I see the returns are pretty ridiculous. So they they threw some money in, and we did it for that year and a half, and then um, I actually ended up we we had our spreadsheet of everything. We went and talked to somebody about said, Hey, this is what we're doing. And this is somebody who's, you know, they've, they had all, what I consider a lot of money and they, 
it was the first time I ever pitched anybody for capital. And um, man, I was tainted because it was easy. We we walked in and talked to him for about an hour and he goes, I'll give you a million dollars. Do you want it all right now? And I was like, fortunately, I was like, no, you know, this was like October, November of 13. And I said, why don't we just wait till the new year? That way, you know, setting up companies and getting everything, we've got a fresh start. And that way I can make sure that I have all my infrastructure in line. And so we started we started buying, you know, setting that up and we just started really buying in bulk at that point. Um, we were, we had a lot of notes going and we were really at the beginning just trying to get the house back because that's what we knew. We knew real estate. We were just buying in central Florida. Were you buying from big banks, small banks, regional banks, private investors? Mostly like at the beginning, we bought straight from this one fund, um, Condor Capital. And they, um, they were a fund out of California, the, the hedge fund who you need to say hedge fund, they were a note investment fund, but they were, they were, you know, overcapitalized, understaffed. I would say, you know, they had two, three, four hundred million dollars um, of capital that they were deploying regularly. They were getting, I know they had their money from overseas and I think China was given a lot of money, but they were just buying stuff in bulk. And then if they can make a thousand, two thousand bucks, they would just, if they could do it in, you know, 15, 30 days, they were just moving it. So we had kind of an endless supply of inventory, just buying strictly, you know, central Florida. And then it became harder and harder. And I had more capital that I had to deploy. Just, I'm sorry, just so I'm, just so I'm clear, the hedge funds were buying the notes from the banks. Then Correct. they were flipping the notes to you for small little markups. That's exactly how it works. And the, so the way the waterfall would work in the note industry is the larger institution, you know, Chase, Bank of America, Wells, whoever it was, they were they would package stuff up into portfolios of say five hundred million dollars, and they would break it and sell it off to a larger hedge fund like a Black Knight or not a Black Knight, BlackRock, and they're going to go ahead and take the cream of the crop off the top. So they'll say, "I'm going to keep," and for them, the cream of the crop would be something that's maybe worth three hundred thousand or more, you know, A class properties, and just because it. If you're going to have to foreclose on a property, doesn't matter if it's a you know thirty thousand dollar house or a three hundred thousand dollar house, still going to cost you fifteen grand. So you can do the math and say, okay, I'd rather have the the higher end stuff. And then they would break up those pools of the remaining, say, four hundred million into fifty million dollar portfolios and sell it to a mid tier fund, who would then break it up and sell them on one off assets to folks like myself or to micro funds, maybe people with like five or 10 million under management. And so that was sort of the waterfall, you know, big pool, smaller pool, smaller pool down into the the tertiary market. And then you were buying them to basically take over the house, take possession of the house. So you could yeah, sell well, the house. What we did was what we started doing was we were just like, we knew real estate and we were like, and I was a real estate broker. So it was like, Hey, buy the house, get the house, turn around, resell the house, make the money, move on to the next one. And um, after we did that for a while, you start running into people who are like, I don't want to give you my house. <laughs> I want to keep it. Yeah. And um, we started actually after we left the three-day event for Eddie Speed. At that point, we learned like we really became note investors because you learned more about, hey, not going into every deal with one exit strategy of taking a house back. We went in and started um, looking at it like if they want to keep the house and they can afford the house, how can we help them? And we sort of had a mentality and a mind shift in the investment strategy of, hey, there's a lot of exit strategies here and they all can work and they all can work for us and they all can also work for that, that borrower. And that was, a, that was a big changing point for us when we started looking at borrowers, not as numbers, but as people. And it was, uh, I remember the first deal, we, we left the, we left um, the three-day conference and we were driving back. And I was like, we can use one of the techniques we learned there. It was just offering nothing mind shattering, just offering a short payoff to, I had somebody in mind as we called them up and it was a real, it was a real heartwarming story. A little sad, you know, the, it was um, a grandfather who lived in there or a a father, his daughter who was in her mid thirties was kind of working with us. And the, the gentleman had lost his wife a couple of years earlier. And this is kind of the last thing that they had together was this house. And so, you know, we were owed, we were owed like 75, 80 grand, but we were into it for like, I think 30,000. 
And so we called up and we said, Hey, would you be interested in, you know, writing us a check for 50,000 and you can keep the house and we'll let, we'll just let all the pass through stuff goodbye. And they started crying on the phone. And it was just from there, it kind of was like, wow, we just really impacted their lives, helped us on because we got a, we got a deal done. And so we started looking at deals differently. And so you made, you made a $20,000 profit approximately on that. Roughly. Okay. Cause they, they owed about 80 or 90. The house was maybe worth what? Probably 55, 60. I mean, we, I think we left them with maybe like, it was probably 55. Cause I remember we offered them 50,000 and left them with like 10% equity or something like that. Not nothing staggering, but you know, you're making 20 grand on a deal. It's like, Hey, you know, we're not quite doubling our money, but the, it was a, it was a really good return. And it was, a, it was a, it helped them, but it was also, it was a fast, quick, Hey, we can be done with this deal in like six days. And, and they wanted to keep their house. And so that means there was no attorneys involved or anything, which was no nice. foreclosure, it, no foreclosure. Yeah. No I, we tried to avoid judgments. foreclosure at all costs. Foreclosure was terrible. Nice. All right. So then, um, 2012, the market really starts going up foreclosures go down. There's not many of them anymore. What'd you start doing? Maybe advance, go forward a few years. What were you doing in like 2015, 2017 range? So we started, we were buying and doing the same thing. This was like, so 2013 to 2014, we actually started um, buying from other funds. And we had a um, sort of the catalyst for Paperstack was we were doing a trade and it was just the trade top to bottom was a pain. It was, there was just it was so convoluted. They were telling us they sent us due diligence documents inside a Dropbox, and they'd actually sent it to us in a competitor of Dropbox called Box. And I didn't even know I had a Box account, but apparently I did. And one of the settings in Box is it auto accepts any invitations. And so they were telling me that I had the, the data. I was saying I didn't have any of the due diligence stuff because I was looking in Dropbox. And then um, we got that sorted out. It turns out a bunch of the assets that they were trying to sell us um, were either condemned, had been knocked over by the city, or had already been lost to taxes. So it was just a really rough trade. And then the final sort of straw that broke the camel's back or whatever saying, you know, <laughs> insert that there was when we got the collateral files for the trade, um, one of the assets, the only thing original was a lost note affidavit. So that means I had nothing but copies and the, it was a lost note affidavit, basically saying that all the files had been destroyed. And these are all copies. At that point, it was like, man, this is this is the wild west. I'm sending money to somebody I've never met before to hold in escrow, and they're sending me these files, and these files are garbage. So we were like, we got to do something about this. We want something. We want processes. I hate you know sweet process that sort of stuff. I hate going through and doing the same thing over and over and over again. And so. How can we fix this? How can I get out of my inbox? Because everything, and to this day still, there's um, large institutions that they trade, and that means buy and sell debt back and forth through email and spreadsheets, which is, it's amazing to think about. So we created, you know, that's when we came up with the idea for Paperstack, and <laughs> it was called Investment Note Exchange, and we outsourced to India and got back just a pile of junk. What came back in was just not good. Um, one of our new, our co-founders, Brett, was somebody I went to college with. I bumped into him at, at a grocery store, Publix here in, in Florida, and we were going through what I was doing, what he was doing, and he ended up coming on board. And then I had him say, look, you're going to have to handle this, show it to this other guy I knew, Mike, who um, he's our another co-founder of ours. We have four co-founders, but he was a developer. And so he looked at the he looked at what we had and he said it, it's junk it's spaghetti code you guys need to um, do a ground up build and I go perfect can you build this he goes I'm not taking on jobs I'm only doing stuff for ownership now so I was like okay no brainer I'll give you ownership come on in and um, Mike started developing Paperstack in 2015 we launched in 2017 at that point you know we we were really using this as an internal tool. To start, you know, we're like, this makes it really easy for us. We can sell our stuff to people. We were just, we were going to use it as our platform as a way to sell. And I remember one day there were new notes on the platform and it was like, well, who are these people? And they had signed up and they started, and next thing I know, people are doing deals without us. And we're just, 
collecting fees. So it worked out. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So I want to I want to share my screen here in just a minute. Um, explain to me kind of how it's working today. Somebody buys a note, either well, let's say somebody goes out and 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 they do some marketing. They find a note that they want to buy, either from a small local bank mm-hmm. or a private investor or something, and then they want to sell that note. So kind of explain that process of of how note investing works today. I guess. Sure. So there's definitely ways you can buy notes. You can market for them. Um, we, you know, in the past we had done that. And I say we, I don't mean paper stack. I mean, our fund had been marketing for stuff, um, whether it's postcards, texts, phone calls. And once you find something and you figure out you want to buy it, you got to put together the paperwork, purchase sale agreement, the transfer documents for the note and the mortgage. So an allonge and then a, an assignment of mortgage. And typically, you can go to an attorney or a title company and have them close it. But now you can use noteclosings.com is where I would tell people to go. But once you own the paper and you're like, okay, I want to turn around and resell it, um, or maybe you've had it for a while and you want to, you know, you've collected payments on it for, you know, 36 months, you can go ahead and turn around and sell the note. And I would use PaperStack for that. It's free to sign up. It's free to list stuff. You know, you pay 1% from the buyer, 1% from the seller at closing. So if a deal doesn't happen, nobody pays anything. And paper stack will walk you through the whole process. Right now, we've got roughly 15,000 registered users on there who are buying and selling debt. So it's, um, there's, I mean, you're going to get offers on your notes. That's for sure. So you can also create notes, which is what I like to do, right? Yeah. Um, when I'm selling land, I like to sell land on owner financing. You can also do the same with houses. I have a good friend. Uh, his name is... Um, Scott Jelinek, I've interviewed him many times here, and he's got this program called Slow Flips, and he basically buys properties with private money, pays them off in five years, mm-hmm. and then sells them on 30-year notes. So he's mm-hmm. buying them like a car, selling them like a house. Mm-hmm. And so he'll have, you know, five years, he's, there's no cash flow at all, but year six, starting the year six, he's got a free and clear asset, and he's got uh, this note that he's created where he's selling these deals on owner financing. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to ask you though, was like, there, there's a lot of terms out there that you can throw around. There's installment contracts, contract for deeds. You know, can you right. sell a note that's an installment contract that the deed hasn't been transferred yet to that end buyer? Does that make sense? Yeah. Contract for deeds. Would I'll just use that one or installment contracts. We have several of those going through. And when, whenever that's happening, if you're ever selling one of those, you're selling the the contract, but also then you're typically doing either a special warranty deed or a quick claim deed. Something like that is transferring over to whoever is buying that contract, that installment contract. So yeah, we have those going all this all the time. Um, we have a lot of those on the platform. I love what you're doing um, with buying land. We have a lot of that going on. We have a lot of land notes that are, have been coming and going through the platform. You know, if people do it right, I see huge upsides there as far as you know, you could buy it for pretty cheap most of the time and definitely mark it up and sell it at a premium. And, you know, I've seen really nice interest rates, 12, 13% short term, which is always good. That sells rather quickly on the platform. If you got a high interest rate in the short term, um, you that's interesting. Don't- I thought um, a longer term would have been more interesting, more sellable, but you're saying shorter term is in like five years? Yeah, five year, ten year stuff is is good. Twenty year, thirty year, just you got to look at it. It just takes longer. Yeah, the payments get spread out, so it takes longer to recover your your money. Uh, we see people doing what your um, your buddy was talking about about using private financing to buy stuff and then selling it with a wrap. Um, I see a lot of people doing that with. Uh, they'll do like three year interest only balloon stuff. And then they'll come and once they, you know, sold the note on, uh, or once they've sold the pr- uh, property with that 30-year note, they'll come and sell the note on the platform and the other note gets paid off and then they keep the Delta. Okay. So that's called a wrap um, is what they, you know, typically what it's called. It's, it's just a wrap around mortgage or something along those lines. So with vacant land, uh, can we do an example property here? And sure. I'm going to get my calculator just so I can stay on top of these numbers. Let's say a property is worth fifty grand, uh-huh. and um, I'm going to buy it for seventeen thousand five hundred. Okay, and that's about what I'm going to buy it for, and I might use my own cash to buy that. I'm going to turn around and sell it on owner financing for fifty grand. Uh-huh. So there is a uh, 
let's see, minus 50. There's about a $32,000 spread in that, um, which is not too far-fetched. Maybe not at all. So, like, we, we're buying land, depending on the area, 35 cents on the dollar on average. I might, at the most, pay 50 cents on the dollar. Now, I could wholesale that deal, and if I wholesaled it, pay a realtor, closing cost, and just yeah. sell it for cash, I could probably make 15 grand in, in quick wholesale profits. But obviously, if I sell it with owner financing, I can sell it for a higher price. I typically sell my v vacant land on owner financing at 95 to 10% interest. Um, I try to get 10% down and I try to do a, a five years. Sometimes I'll do 10 years. Okay. And again, I, I say this a lot too. It's, cr it's crazy. We just had yesterday, I was talking to my acquisitions guy. Um, for every one call, when we're selling land, for every one call that we get from a cash buyer, we'll get four or five calls from people saying, hey, will you own or finance this? Can I make you payments over time, right? Yeah. So we try to wholesale as much as we can because my acquisitions guy, who also sells the deals, he wants the cash now. But we still, maybe 25, 30% of our deals, we'll still sell with owner financing. All right. So on this deal, we sell it for 50 grand on owner financing. And let me open my mortgage. I have a little mortgage calculator here. Maybe I'll share my screen. This would be a good time to share my screen. All right. You see my screen there, Rick? Are we good? No. Oh, I got to do, I got to press the publish button. There we go. Okay. I don't know where this thing came from. It's ugly and obnoxious. But so let's say I'm selling it for 45 grand. I get mm -hmm. 5,000 down. So the note is $45,000 and I'm doing 60 months. I'm charging 9.5% interest. I'm going to be getting around $945 a month. Usually that might be a little high. So I might do um, 10 years. So my payment will be about $582 a month on this deal. Now, my own internal numbers, I bought this thing for 17 grand. And I'm getting $582 a month in cash flow. Like that's for me, I want to, I want to keep that as long as I can. That's sure. great cash flow. I'm getting my money back. You know, I don't know. How, let me see here. If I put 17,500 in it. Take five grand down. So you got 12,5 in it. Right. Divided by 582. I'm getting my money back in 21 months. Yeah. Right. So, okay. This note, if I wanted to sell this note. How long should I wait? How, does it have to be seasoned? And does it matter? How much does it matter? How well I pre-screen my buyers? I would say it's like, as Eddie Speed would say, you can only bake a cake once. So the better you bake the cake up front, the better it's going to be when you try to sell the cake. If you can pre-screen your buyers and whatever we do on our financing, you know, on our personal stuff, if we're buying, you know, we buy houses, turn around and then I'll sell them on turns to people on our financing. Um, we, we have everybody go through like a Dodd-Frank compliant sort of screening. So it, the paperwork, there's a loan application. It's the whole deal. Cause I got to make sure they can pay the better off you do on the screening process, the better off it's going to be. I love that you're taking 10% down. That's a huge step in the right direction. I love that you're charging a really nice health uh, interest rate, which nine and a half, I'm at 9.4. I don't know why, but I've always done 9.4, um, which it's right there at the 9.5 thing. It's it's great. It's a perfect interest rate because you don't have to take a big discount to hit hit the 10. And um, so th that's lovely. But the the pre-screening, the better you can pre-screen, at least have a, a package showing that they can afford it. I'm not overly concerned about credit, but what I've noticed is most of the time when people come in and they've they can check all the boxes on the on the financial side. I mean, I'm seeing like 750, 770 credit scores, and I'm not having to worry about like, you know, a 580 credit score. And if you're taking, you know, five calls and four of them are financing, chances are somebody in there is gonna have that that just that sweet, that sweet file that you're like, yeah, next. Yeah, you can have the next property I get or this one's yours. So the more you the better off you are. I understand Dodd Frank is important for residential houses. It's not for you, not for the, not for what you're doing, and and certainly that's a a benefit to the land is that you don't have to worry about all those those compliance. Now don't um, ask, don't ask that question to Eddie Speed. He'll talk to you for a half hour, and you'll understand maybe ten percent of what he says. And uh, but I, I 
you know, I think I think Eddie will say differently. Would you Would you think so? Yeah, he he would, but I mean, he's forgot more about note investing than I probably will ever know. <laughs> so he's definitely. I mean, he's going to tell you everything out there. But for the residential side, yeah, it's Dodd Frank is, is is pretty important. Sure. I will say this: the notes that I've seen come through Paperstack, the ones that have like a ten percent down and have a healthy interest rate, and there's some sort of borrower application are great. Do you, whenever you're selling your stuff, are you, um, how are you closing? Are you at a title company? Are you, yeah. See, that's- Well, okay. the, the, we close on the A to B side when we buy it with a title company. When mm-hmm. we sell it, we, we don't. We're just doing, um, we do, uh, I forget our paperwork, what it's called, but it's a contract for deed. It's an installment oh, yeah. contract. Um, I don't even think we get it notarized. They just sign it, they send it to us. And then we start collecting payments from them. Do you record it? No. No. Okay. Maybe we All should. Right. I don't know. I would. I would record it. Um, record what specifically? Record the the installment contract. Okay. Why is that? Because whenever you go to assign it to somebody else, they're going to want to. There has to be something in place showing you know that you're recording it. It's showing that transfer, and it's just typically done in public record. And also, there's there's a few states, I'm not an attorney, not legal advice, but there's a few states that if it's not, if it's not recorded and you have a certain number of days to record it, they won't honor it. Like if, if the borrower stopped paying, they would, I think Ohio was one and Pennsylvania was another one. So I don't know. I would just look into that on the legal side and verify that just because I've, I've, several of my, our attorneys have said, hey, make sure that if you do a land contract, you're, you're recording it. So you, you should be recording. The, the the contract for deed or the land contract in the county records. Correct. But the deed hasn't been transferred yet, right? No, the deed won't be transferred until until they fulfill their installment contract. And so if you were to go to sell that, you would go ahead and if it, like, for instance, if it were on, on paper stack, whenever you list something, you get to say, okay, this is a contract for deed, a land contract, whatever it is. And we'll draft a assignment of land contract or assignment of seller's interest in a land contract. And then we'll give you a doc or a, a template to where you can say, here, you can fill out the quick claim deed to the whoever's buying it. So then you would be assigning the contract to them and then they're getting the title to the property. Doesn't change anything with the contract other than who the payment's made to. Okay. Well, let's review the, the website here. Let's see if sure. you can see this. This is paperstack.com. Yep. P-A-P-E-R-S-T-A-C.com. I'll zoom in a little bit here. Um, the modern way to buy and sell mortgage notes online. Easy access to inventory, online transactions. That's really cool. Cost-effective solution. So there is a 1% fee on the buy side and 1% fee on the sell, sell side, right? And so for that, you get all the closing documents. You get... Um, Included in that, the collateral audit is included in that or the collateral verification. And we pay for all FedEx shipping labels. So you get quite a bit for that in there and provide you, you know, the, it'll be stuck there on our platform forever. So if you ever need to go review something, you know, we've had people who deals went south months after the transaction and they were able to come back, look at their, their transaction timeline and see where there was misrepresentation by the other party and it helped them in, in a court case because you've got a complete digital audit trail sitting there with whether it's phone calls, messaging back and forth and representations made by the other party. So is Paperstack just the software or do you have people behind the scenes that are kind of doing some transaction coordination at the same time? It's just the software. We Obviously, if you see that orange button in the on the bottom right corner of the screen, that's our, um, if you click on that, that's an easy way to get in touch with our, our help desk. You can type questions and we have, you know, we have somebody who mans that, but the platform really handles itself. Yeah. And I mean, it would be one of those things where okay, I so, could. So it, it gives you digital audit trail communication that works perfect for Teams accounts. The easiest closing ever, consistency and safety, perfect for teams, and you escrow and audit. So it asks, it acts like an escrow company. So the buyer will send the money to Paperstack, right? And Paperstack then will release the money when, like when the. So the way it works is, um, 
there's two phases in the in the on the paper stack transaction. There's a negotiation phase where every you're you're back and forth on price or just accepting price. You're entering in in this phase all your vesting, how you're how you're on title or how you want to take title. The op you have options to use escrow and collateral audit. You don't have to do it. And then you're signing the purchase sale agreement. Then you enter into the closing phase. At that point, the the seller is going to put in their their bank account information, which is you know, lock, triple lock, sealed, and the whole, you know, encoded or whatever, you know, tech, I'm not the technical guy, um, but it's under strict lock and key, so to speak, and it's held in Google's um, database. For the wiring instructions, whoever this loan servicer is, if you're self-servicing it, you would put yourself. If you're using a professional servicer, that information goes in there. And then PaperStack will generate a buyer invoice if they're using escrow. And on the buyer invoice, they're going to wire funds to the, our, our wire account. Once escrow receives funds, it's marked as received on the platform. At that point, we generate a shipping label for the seller to send the collateral file, which is all the, you know, the application, it's the contract for deed or the, the installment contract and any other documents per, pertaining to the file. Send a FedEx label, they send it to an auditor whose name is Casey Wilson. They're out of California. They take the file in. We we pay for two day shipping, so it'll take two days to get there. They usually audit it within twenty four hours. They go through. They verify what's original, what's copies. They provide an opinion on it, and they provide color scan copies to the to the transaction really for the buyer and the seller to look at. But it's really for the buyer at that point. The buyer can review the report, and they have the option to you know talk to the seller, say, hey, this isn't what you represented, or no, this is exactly what you represented. If that's the case, then they sign a disbursement agreement. The disbursement agreement says once they've signed and executed the assignment in the launch and the quick claim deed, the transfer documents, I'm good for you to release money to them. At that point, it opens up the transfer documents and the seller will sign all those if it's a custom document or um, something they're signing in wet ink, they can upload it and the buyer can approve it. Uh, once all that's taken care of, the seller then signs a disbursement agreement, which says, hey, I've fulfilled everything on my end. You're good to release the collateral file to the buyer, release the funds to me. At that point, once that document's executed, the collateral uh, audit company um, sends out the collateral package to the buyer and the escrow company releases funds to the seller. And then we send um, an email to the outgoing servicer and the incoming servicer saying, hey, this loan's just been sold. You're now the new servicer. You're now the one who's got to transfer it. And then we step back. Okay. So you're using a third-party auditor to kind of help. Correct. We use a third-party auditor. All right. Here's some currently trending listings. You want to pick one of these to look at? Sure. How about this one? That works. Pick it up. Yeah, let's let's go look at it. All right. It says sale pending. So somebody's working on this. They listed this one two weeks ago. So tell us what we're looking at here. So this this is the listing page. Um, you're not logged. Do you have an account? No, not yet. So this is a listing page. Um, it's going to be whatever the seller is indicating is in inside of the transaction. You can see that this is a small pool. There's two performing first position loans. It'll give you the seller comments. You can see anything that they want to notify or tell you about the their sales pitch, essentially. Then you'll see um, these are the asset details. So this this is the first loan. It looks like there's an unpaid principal balance of 161000 The loan to value on it is 88%. If you scroll down a little bit more, you'll see that we have val uh, property valuations. So they've provided actually a BPO. You can see there giving a valuation and we pipe in data from Zillow. So you'll have a Zestimate there and you'll have uh, the rent Zestimate. Looks like there's a little bit of a discrepancy. I would look at the BPO and see what's going on there. If they've provided you with payment history, you can see it there. And then finally at the bottom, you'll see there's note files. There's seven files um, that they've shared associated with this transaction. The only way to see it is to go ahead and to reach out to them. So what you can do is if you look on the right-hand side where there's an orange box that says log in to contact seller, if you were logged in right there, it would have two buttons. One says ask the seller a question or the other one says make an offer. Okay, so maybe you don't know this, but you don't know if this was a note that a private investor created 
or if this is a note they bought from a bank. Yep. Do you? That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, well, to me, it doesn't matter. To some people, it would matter. But to me, it, it doesn't matter. If, if a, a private investor created it and they did a good job, then I'm, I'm okay with it. If it's from a bank, that's okay as well. Um, well, this yeah. note originated just less than a month ago. Yeah, it looks like that one um, is less than a month old. So what are they, what are they selling this one for? They're, there's not pricing, I guess, listed on this specific asset. Um, but they've got a... 162, 10% interest. Um, so it looks like it was a 20-year note. Hmm. Yeah, more than that. Do you think this looks like a good deal to you? They're they're saying the total payoff is $161,000. They're saying the deal is worth $183,000. But there's built-in equity there. Scroll up. What's, does it have a an actual... See, there's two notes here. So you got to look at the... If you click on the drop-down and go to the next note, there you go. So... Next payment date. So this or, is a 20-year note. It is. 10% interest. They say it's performing, but it, it's only been performing for one month. Is that, does that can count as performing? Yeah. I mean, technically it's still performing, but so what's the total payoff? 120000 and the other payoff was $161,000. Oh, the other payoff was one sixty one seven eight six. So you're you're talking, you know, two eighty, dollars and what are they asking for it? Uh, scroll up a little bit. Two sixty dollars now. That's... Uh, that's not for me. It's not big enough of a discount, but right. If, if it's pending, somebody else's looks like somebody thinks it's good enough for them. So, um, and it looks like they've got fifteen percent down. So, you know, both of them ten percent. If you can deploy, you know, two hundred sixty thousand, and you're getting ten percent mm -hmm. on that for somebody, that's going to be good. I know a lot of a lot of folks who they said, look, I just want I want mailbox money. I don't want to have to do a lot of work. Yeah. So the reason why it's a little different for me, and I'm not saying that's a bad deal, uh, but for me, and probably I would imagine for you, you're talking about buying, buying deals at 35 to 50 cents on the dollar. Correct. I'm usually the one, like I'll give you a, for example, one of the deals we did earlier this year, we bought it for 136000 Sold it for two hundred and thirty thousand with twenty five thousand dollars down and charged nine point four percent interest. So you know I've got a two hundred and five thousand dollar loan, and at nine point four percent interest, I'm into the deal for roughly a hundred and ten. And so you you start you look at the numbers there, and you're like, okay, well you can you can really cash flow that thing and and hold on to it, and it's you know you're getting. I was, I, it was like 18 or 19% on my money, if you figure what I'm into it for, for what I'm cash flowing for. So something like that, that's great for some, you know, that's a good investment, 10% for somebody. But for me, who, and probably I would imagine for you, somebody who's used to buying, buying at a discount, that's a tough pill to swallow because I'm like, well, I know that if I do a little bit of the work, I can really take that number and double it and I can have a big equity spread in there. You know, can I, can I just... Do some the some this is an example deal for land. Right? Sure. Um let's say the land sale price is fifty thousand dollars. Okay. And my purchase price, my buy price, let's say I buy it at forty percent of that, right? So my purchase price that I buy this land for, I'm buying it for twenty grand. Sure. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna sell it on owner financing. Or maybe fifty fifty five thousand. So like it's maybe let's just it's worth But you can sell it at a premium, right? If you're holding finance on it, I sell stuff at a premium all the time. Yeah. So the land worth today, if I were to sell it to a cash buyer, maybe I could get forty five thousand to fifty thousand for it. Mm -hmm. If I sell it in owner financing, I could maybe sell it for fifty five thousand. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna try to get a down payment of ten percent. Equals that times, I hope you guys don't mind the spreadsheet math here. And I'll zoom in so it's real big. So the balance is that minus that. Okay. And then my uh, term is going to be 120 months. My uh, interest rate that I'm going to charge will be 9.5%. So my monthly payments is going to be 9.5 divided by 12. Number of periods, 120 Present value, negative 49,500. Future value, zero. Okay, so the payments are going to be $640 a month. 
if I were to wholesale this deal, quick cash, you know, I might be able to wholesale it for 40 grand. And so my, my kind of net, net, net profit after realtor commissions and closing costs and all that might be around 15 grand mm -hmm. if I wholesale it. But if I were to keep this deal, sell it on owner financing, all right, I'm gonna sell it on owner financing for 55 grand. I'm gonna get 10% down. So the balance owed is this. I'm gonna do 120 months, nine and a half. I'll be getting 640 a month in interest. I am all in. My all in, like what I'm into the deal will be 20,000 plus, you know, let's just say uh, 1,500 in closing costs. Yeah. So I'm going to, and then I've got, uh, I might pay a realtor to help me advertise it. So I might pay a realtor another $2,500 to find my owner financing buyer or whatnot. So I'm all in for 24 grand. I'm going to get my money back in 37 months if I keep this deal myself, right? Which is, this is just kind of the way my mind works here. Sorry. I'm going to get my money back in 3.1 years. The money I put in to buy this deal. I feel like that's pretty good cash flow. $640 a month without the typical landlord headaches and worrying about managing rentals and all of that. But let's say I were to sell this note to a note buyer on Paperstack. How much could I sell this note for? Is there like a percentage of the balance? That's probably going to be somewhere between the 47 or the 40 to 48 range, maybe 47 range. So I'll sell my note. Is that, is there like a percentage an 80 to 80%, 85% range or? There is, but on, on, on these deals, I'm seeing stuff in the 95. I've seen stuff selling at 98%. So I would say 90% is pretty safe. Crazy. 90% of the loan balance. Because. All right. So I'm going to do 90% times the loan balance. So I could sell that note for 44 grand. Because. Okay. The reason I'm doing this, if so is that right? So then my profit yep. will be 44,550 minus my all in cash, what I put into the deal. So I could wholesale it and make 15 grand or put a, put an owner financing buyer in it and sell it for 20 grand and make and make 20 grand profit. Did you take out the 5,500 that you took in? No, I didn't. So my, my all in, I have to now subtract that 5,500 down payment. I finished. So my all in would be the cash out of pocket. Cash out of pocket. And I know I'm embarrassing myself here. No, you're with good. This primitive math. That's the way I look at. So my profit, if I sell that note for forty four thousand, no, good. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, if you're, if you're, yeah, that's that's correct. You just do the twenty plus your marketing costs minus your your the money you're bringing in. Okay. Minus B. So it would seem to me, if I was a land investor creating <laughs> notes, if you wanted to make more money, uh, create a note from that vacant lot and then sell it to a note buyer. You'll make more money doing that than you will selling it, trying to wholesale it and sell it to a cash buyer. You can. You can also do something where if you create the note, you can sell what's called a partial. Oh, I knew you were going to go there. And that's, and that's what hooked me. I, I saw it and I go, holy cow, you can sell, a, you don't have to sell the whole loan. So you can turn around and say, well, you know, you're getting a good cash flow there, $6,400, and you're going to be into it for... Um, eighteen thousand five hundred. So you might sell the next four years of payments, right, and get all your money back out. And so whoever's buying it's going to get, you know, you'll sell four years of payments for eighteen thousand. So they're going to make a spread on their money. But on the fifth year, you, you the payments come back to you, and so you own that deal free and clear. And you can also do stuff where maybe I want to sell five years worth of payments. So I want to get a little money up front, a little lick off the lollipop, and I want the cash flow on the back end. And I can turn around and have that cash flow. So if you start doing that and build, you know, build up your cash flow, you can live off the money you're making up front, but then you can also have like, wow, in year five, all of a sudden it starts compounding and you're like, I've got 10 of these things that I've got no money wrapped up into that I've just been keep on cycling through and doing the and now you've got a bunch of a bunch of cash flow that's coming in. Okay. That's a, that's, it's called a, a partial or hypothecation. There's a couple different ways to do it, but there's a really, a really, really powerful tool to, uh, 
to start building back end cash flow and to you know I call it recapitalizing your piggy bank. If you if you if you're working on a limited number of funds and maybe you're like, look, I've got twenty grand. It's not like I can go. Yeah, I'd love to have ten of these. Well, this is a way that you can buy one, run it through, make a little money, recapitalize. Now you've got your twenty plus whatever you made back, and you can either do it again or you know keep whatever you have off to the side. It, it's just it's a really intriguing way to start getting creative with. Yeah, and the the fantastic thing is you can do this with some self-directed retirement accounts like the IRA, 401k, as long as you leave, um, I think the IRS at $100 in the deal. So you can really start doing these these things if you want to talk to your accountant or your tax attorney about it. But there's there's ways to use self-directed retirement accounts to really build up a, a nice, nice looking <laughs> uh, nest egg. Yeah. And do All it right. For, so how long does this note have to season? Uh, three months is really good. If you can season it three months, it's it, there's there's a pattern of payments. Um, you know, I'll say this: having having a way to track the payments is key. So, you know, I know sometimes people use loan servicers. Other times, they're not using a loan servicer, and you know, you you go to get payment history, and the payments you're looking at are, you know, I've seen photocopies of hundred dollar bills come in, and I'm like, that's you know. The better your your record keeping is, the more verifiable it is, the easier it is to sell your asset. If you've got no payment history or you've got, you know, Zelle or or Cash App or Venmo or stuff like that, just understand that it just it doesn't look as credible. And it, and you know, as somebody who's buying notes, you're looking at the note and said, okay, A was the note created well. Did they do any sort of, you know, loan application, do they do any anything that's going to make sure that the, the borrower can pay? And then did they take down a down payment in? Because I've seen some people do like $100 down and I'm like, that's that person's got no skin in the game. They've got no reason to hang around if things go south. If you suddenly putting down $5,000, they don't want to walk away from five grand. Yeah. And then the payment history. So pre-qualified, down payment, payment history. I'm sure somebody out here watching this or listening has a better spreadsheet than what I just did, please send it to me. I'd love to see it. I'd like to see more example numbers of how this t t typically works for vacant land. But we need to wrap this up real quick. Your other website, the first website again is paperstack.com, P-A-P-E-R-S-T-A-C. There's no K. Paperstack.com. And you have uh, uh, 237 listings here of notes for sale. This is really cool. You can see which ones are available. Um, single asset, asset pool, first position, second positions, performing, non-performing, uh, different types of notes. This is interesting. And then also by state, you can look into that uh, that way as well. Um, you also have the website, noteclosings.com. Explain what noteclosings.com does one more time. So it's the, basically it's the closing process on paper stack without the marketplace. So this is for the folks who say, look, I've already got the buyer. I've already got the seller or I'm the buyer. They're the seller. Or I'm the seller, the buyer. All I need is the closing process. I just, I don't know how else to close this deal. I need somebody to generate the purchase sale agreement, the transfer docs, and I want to utilize escrow. All that stuff is baked into the platform and it's at a reduced price. So instead of being 1%, it's $200 for the first asset and then $100 for each additional asset in the closing. So it's it's a much cheaper process. Good. Paperstack.com, S-T-A-C, and then noteclosings.com. Rick Allen, thank you so much for being on the show. Appreciate it. Joe, thank you. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Do you, If people want to reach you on Facebook, Instagram, do you do that or... Yeah. Um, I don't know my Facebook handle, but I'm sure if you look look up Facebook, if you Google um, Paperstack or Rick Allen Notes, we've got a podcast. You'll be able to find us there. What's your podcast? Uh, it's the Paperstack podcast. We kind of talk about everything, um, notes, a lot of free education there. We talk a lot about um, other investments like real tied to real estate, and we interview some people in the industry. Yeah, there it is. Um, you know, we've got a few different series like the, um, what is it like note vesting 101. It's kind of like how to start, take it for what you will. It's just me and Brett up there talking. Some, <laughs> sometimes people enjoy it. Sometimes they don't. Well, very cool. This looks interesting. I'm going to check it out. We do have to wrap it up. I have to go. Thank you, Rick, so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate you. 
Joe, thank you. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.